Hey everyone, today's episode tackles a few hard topics, including discussion of abortion. If that brings up anything for you, please go to the resources in the show notes or give this one a miss. It also brings up conversations around fertility and fertility issues. And a little disclaimer for this episode, nor Linda nor myself are medical professionals. Linda is just expressing her own personal experiences with freezing her eggs and I'm asking my genuine questions about egg freezing. Listener Production. This podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past, present. We extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. Everyone, okay, so this is kind of an announcement episode, but also I'm not sure anyone will actually really care about what I'm doing with my life. Um, <laughs> but I am excited to have this guest on, nevertheless. We have the beautiful, amazing, iconic podcasting legend, author, all around, gorgeous sensation, Linda Mariana. How you going, Gorge? I'm so happy to be here. Oh, wow, there's even applause. Yeah, there's applause. Yeah, we have a applause track we play every time it. you and I speak. I love it. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. I'm quite warm in here too. I'm, yeah, it's a nice little environment, it's isn't it? Oh, the <laughs> what? Oh, you're warm. Yeah. Yes. Um, I am so thrilled to have you on. Thank you. Not only about to talk about your book, love language, but also to talk about something that you've done that I want to do. This is oh. the main reason why I need you on, okay? Okay, go on. You are I'm guiding ready. me. Through. Okay, everyone. Crossing my legs. I'm Maybe ready. we'll do actually let's do yeah, let's get comfy. Okay, so I have decided recently, so I was away on a trip with my girlfriends over summer and we're all almost thirty. Yeah. And all of us, none of us are engaged or actually one of them is fucking engaged. And traitor. And, first of all, (laughs) and casually mentioned it over lunch the other day with a mouthful of food and went, oh, yeah, yeah, because we're engaged. And I was like, what the fuck? When did this happen? And she's like, well, I didn't want to make a big deal of it. Like it was weird. And I said, but when? Fucking January. I've seen her three times since. She goes, yeah, it didn't come up. (laughs) I was like, you're fucked in the head. Was she wearing a ring? Yeah, but it was like, it's a really delicate, very her ring. Uh. So it didn't look like an engagement ring. Like it was perfect for her, but it looked like just like a nut, like you just put, you know, it didn't have it resized. I actually know. don't know what's worse, a friend that would overshare it and really rub it in your face yeah. or a friend that would just do it so subtly that you still feel bad about yourself. Like, oh, did you keep this from me? Because you think I'll feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, yeah I, or I think, I don't think she said that because she was like, I felt that it was attention seeking to do a post. Yeah, then I she said, yeah. totally, right? I mean, I'm going to do one, like carousel, like photo <laughs> done, different angles. And then she was like, then I got to a month out and then I thought, well, what do I do? Do I call everyone individually? Like it's 1981. Like, do I just do the ring around? Then that's uh, even yeah. more wanky going, just so you How know. How do you feel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? You wait? Do you yeah. hang up? Yeah. Maybe yeah. I just hang up. Maybe you just send voice notes. Yeah. I don't know. And then she said, then it got too late. So I'm just doing it when it comes up in conversation. Right. Okay, great. Okay. Anyway, so all my friends and I were like almost 30. None of us are even close to having kids. And then we were all sort of like, well, we were all very adamant that we didn't want children when we were in our early to mid-20s. Yes. And then we kind of are now sort of thinking maybe we do want kids. Then I said, well, maybe I should just start freezing my eggs because I'm 28 Mm. like next week when this comes out. 
And I was like, what the fuck do I do? Do I, I don't know anyone that's done this, but I've heard, Chucky, Mate. you've done <laughs> it. comes to the right place. Because the thing is, I've only heard people doing IVF when they want to have kids right now and they're trying right now and yeah. it'd be an incredibly emotional and really difficult experience. But freezing eggs just for a safety plan, different. I think it is Different, And I also think, so uh, yes, I've done it. I did it a couple of years ago. Mm. I did it in 2020 because I was at the stage where, you know, me and my boyfriend had been together for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in this kind of hilarious, horrific circumstance, we were stuck on other sides of the world mm. during the pandemic. And, you know, you feel really uncertain and you're like, what, what am I going to do? When would I think about even having kids now? Mm. And then that's How old I, were you then? So I was 30. Far, 35, okay. 36, okay. a couple of years ago. And then I went, I started kind of doing the research and yes, so I ended up doing it. And for me, I found it to be the most positive, mm -hmm. affirming decision that I could have made for myself, uh -huh. for myself, for my fertility, for my mental health, mm -hmm. like as women, there are so many questions that swim around in your head and I think that we are unfortunately faced with having to think about that stuff so much earlier than you'd have to if you were a guy. Mm -hmm. If you are a guy, you could be half thinking about having kids for decades. Literally until until you die. Until you if there's die. there's still something in there, you know. If it's You're shooting it out and it might work. And if it's dust, you could just put a little bit of um, paste with it. <laughs> just put just a, bit a bit of bit Vaseline of on it. So, yeah. And just get it <laughs> in there it and you'll probably it. get your next wife pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Like, But we don't have that luxury. And for mm. me, I always found that a real, oh, it was this thing that would sort of piss me off. I'd be mm. like, I hate that I have to think about this. Yes. I'm not going to think about it. I don't even know if I want kids, uh -huh. you know. And then and then it got to a point kind of like with you where you're like, oh, I don't want to rule this out. Yeah, I'm not sure that I don't. You don't want to, you can't, the, the thing for me about freezing my eggs was that it ensured that that decision was not going to be made for me if I could help it, mm. that it wasn't going to be made for me on account of me potentially waiting too many years yes. or not making a decision on it soon enough mm -hmm. or being, you know, pulled apart because of the pandemic and I mm -hmm. couldn't have the unprotected sex that I'd been dreaming of, you yes, know, like wow, whatever, whatever it is, it's a beautiful thing. But, and it's so intimidating as well, because for a couple of reasons, one is we're not really taught to look at our bodies and have to be testing for fertility un almost mm. until a lot of the time, until you want it there and then, and it's sometimes oh, it's too, too late. late. So yes. for me, it was about getting that done. And then the reason that I documented it on the Tough Love podcast so thoroughly mm -hmm. was because I just feel so passionately that young women need to be educated on that mm -hmm. so that we can take control of our bodies so we can feel positive mm -hmm. about taking those steps and not be scared. Because mm -hmm. for me, I would have been so happy to just stick my head in the sand, brush it under the carpet mm -hmm. and not think about, you know, getting fertility tests done mm -hmm. and going, how do I measure up? Am I going to be good enough? What's my number going to be? All of these mm -hmm. things that feel so mysterious. Yeah. When you talk to a doctor that knows what the hell they're talking about, mm -hmm. it takes the guesswork out. Absolutely. And when you, so when you decided, yeah. you're talking to your partner about it, so was yeah. it a joint decision? Yeah. Did you have any fear? I mean, of course you've had a fear that it, you would you would go in and get the fertility testing and it would be 
not possible. Yeah. Because this is what I'm this is what I'm scared of. Yeah. How long was it between the test and knowing? Like, I want to know literally everything just the details. Yeah, because so, like I'm scared of getting the testing done and then waiting weeks and that whole time thinking, have I given up my chance? Because I've had an abortion. Yeah. And that was one yeah, of the so things. Right. Yeah. So did that play in your mind? Because that was one of the things that I was really and still am really fearful of is that have having, having an abortion, you think, was that my only chance? Like, was that my only chance to have a kid? And have I done something in the meantime to somehow fuck everything up. No, you haven't. No, well, that's you don't your, know that. That's your, you that's your that. inner critic. That's your little shitty inner saboteur shithead talking. I've yeah. got the same person yes. in me all the time. But did your abortion, can I talk about your abortion? Yeah. Or, did, your, did that play in your mind as well ever? Because I have it literally like every month I go, great, periods on time means probably didn't ruin anything with no, yeah, the meantime. It, it doesn't, that doesn't affect your fertility. Oh, no, I mean about oh, the time that I had chlamydia for three months. <laughs> <laughs> Not the abortion. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the time that I had chlamydia. My ex had me chlamydia and I didn't know because I wasn't getting tested. Wow. So I mean, so, when I, sorry, I should have been clearer. I mean, did has something else happen to make me infertile? Ah. Uh, right. The, the abortion yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. affect it. Yeah. No, so with the process of it, like you go in, you get your tests done. You you go in for kind of a baseline fertility test mm-hmm. where you go in and you get your blood tests done. Mm-hmm. You do an ultrasound. You speak to your you know, your doctor who is, you'll go to a specific fertility clinic. Mm -hmm. So you'll speak to someone that's, you know, for me, it was a woman that was a highly trained surgeon. She was a gynecologist. She was a fertility specialist Mm -hmm. of which in Australia, we have amazing people Mm -hmm. in these clinics. They do a full fertility test and essentially. Sorry, what does that even involve? Is it a blood test? It's a a blood test that you go and do. So it's like a, it's a general blood test that you would do at your doctor anyway, but it's a more thorough one. Mm. So you find out those and you, you get kind of more intense levels of what your different levels and what your fertility looks like Mm -hmm. at the stage that you're at. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, I actually do think that it's more of a mental hurdle to go over rather than a physical one. Mm. Physically, generally women that go through egg freezing, it's sort of a a few weeks process all up. It actually doesn't take that long. I thought it was months. No, no. It's actually, it's like the first two weeks of your ovulation cycle Mm -hmm. where you're doing these hormone injections that Mm -hmm. you do on your own. And it sounds incredibly intimidating, Mm. but for most women, it's generally smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that that is probably more confronting and almost harder is being mentally confronted with what does my fertility look like? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with getting results that you might see as positive or less positive? Mm-hmm. But overall, it is one of the most positive things that women these days can do mm-hmm. because in the past we didn't know our numbers at these ages. We didn't know these no. things because we actually didn't have the technology to to do something about it. Mm-hmm. We had to stick our heads in the sand because we didn't we didn't know any better and there was no chance for us to do any better. And there was no point either to know no that you, to know that you may you have like a what eighty percent chance of getting pregnant at twenty seven. Yeah. It's like well, I'm not trying now, yeah. so if I can't freeze my eggs, why does it matter? Yeah. But, but now we can do something about it. We can actually it. do something about it. And I've had friends, like besides just me, I've had friends that have had varying degrees of positive and not so positive experiences with like looking at their fertility and, and what their stage is at mm-hmm. and, and what it, their future will look like 
in terms of becoming pregnant. Mm. And it can be really hard. But every one of those people, and myself included, is like, I'm so fucking glad that I did that. Yeah, well, I'm also thinking if it does come back that I'm not as fertile as I would have imagined or at all or or in any part of the spectrum, at least right now I'm not trying for a baby so I can mentally handle that and almost go to therapy to speak about that before I get to a point. Absolutely. No matter what, you you can actually do something about it now. Yes. Where if it's... It's heightened. It's heightened. Yeah. You know, you're not at the point where I'm getting these eggs extracted from my body and I need them to go straight in in order Mm -hmm. to become pregnant straight away. Mm. It's, It's I'm going through this process now to understand where my body's at, mm-hmm. to freeze those eggs and to kind of mentally put that idea of where am I at? What if I don't meet the right person by the time I'm in my late 30s? It's all of that stuff that you, for me, I was able to go, okay, I'm going to put that on my to-do mm-hmm. list. I'm going to get it done mm-hmm. and then I can put it away. And honestly, the time that I actually went to in into the harvesting process, which was mm-hmm. taking the hormones every day for two Mm -hmm. weeks and then going in for that really simple procedure, that was one of the calmest times for me during the whole pandemic. Oh, really? Why? Because I'd spent so long worrying. I was going, I was in a long-distance relationship. Mm -hmm. There was no chance of us, you know, starting the family that we'd thought about. It was all of these Having things. Having sex at all. Having Being sex at all. at all. I was like, <laughs> if I can at least go for an ultrasound and, a, and they put a tube up <laughs> there, something. like they're doing something, <laughs> come on. Jesus. You know, like it just, it just took the pressure off because mm. there's this ruminating thought of pressure. What That's if funny. I haven't made the right decision? Mm. I've, I'm regretting that I've you know, that I haven't tried to have a baby or all of that stuff. I just went, well, see ya. How, <laughs> how old are you when you met your partner? Because I think that that's a huge thing. I mean, yeah. I'm from Brisbane. Are you from Sydney I'm or from Melbourne? Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. okay. So Brisbane, small, con- big country town vibes, right, where yep. everyone from Brisbane is like married by 26, having babies at 28, and that is their life plan. Yep. And they, I believe, from my perspective, some people I know have gotten married purely because they know that their quote-unquote clock is ticking, which is such a fucking frustrating... I hate that I term. Fucking I fucking hate, hate that term. Also, everyone's clock is fucking different, okay? <laughs> it's true. Mum had me at 35 in the 90s with no fucking, no IVF, nothing. Exactly. And I think that it causes a lot of women to settle down where they wouldn't previously. And I think that... This might be something extreme to say, but it can create dangerous situations, whether that's people can be people that either just, you know, they're settling because they aren't that into them or because they're just staying with someone who maybe is financially or emotionally or verbally abusive or anything like that. And so I want to know if there was ever a time in your like late 20s you thought maybe maybe I'll just stick with this person because like 30s coming up yep. or 35s coming up. Well, this comes back to your point earlier when we were talking about, you know, making a choice to have an abortion, Mm. like when we're scared and we're acting out of fear, we're making those decisions out of fear of the unknown of going, what if this is my last shot? Mm -hmm. I should just keep this baby. Mm. You know, it leads to decisions that like I I don't regret at all that I had that abortion. How old were you? I was 30. For me, you know, it was the right decision at that time. And 
it means that I I can take control and and do what I want with my body and my career mm. and my life and be the person that I want to be, I, you know, when I'm ready to be a mum. It's not a reactive decision anymore. Now yeah, it's a proactive it's one, proactive. which is so important. Because yeah. I always think now if I got pregnant now, you know, I'm 28, I can afford to have a baby. I think maybe I would keep it, but also I think it would be out of fear. Of, out of, of fear. Not, of being, well, I'm 28 now. And if I if I get rid of this one as well, then it's two abortions. Right. And that means that I've I've ruined two chances if I'm 35 and I try and I can't have one. So that's a huge reason for the egg freezing. But anyway, so back to my original question about if you ever had that mm. real fear. When you were 30, when you made the decision, yeah. what were you thinking? At that time... I remember thinking, I remember it being actually quite a quick decision where I was like, I am not ready. Yeah. I remember just thinking, I am not ready. And I remember the position that I was in at work and mm-hmm. I was I was doing the evening show at Triple J mm-hmm. and I'd started doing more TV and I just remember feeling so deep in my gut, no. I was like, no, mm-hmm. I can't, I just, I cannot do this now my baby is my job at the moment and I, mm-hmm. I love it. Like mm-hmm. I want to be working really hard. Mm-hmm. I want to be travelling. And I remember going in still and you still mourn the loss of it to an Oops. extent yeah. like, because you're still at some sort of crossroads, mm-hmm. right? But I do remember feeling that backbone in me that was like, this is not the time for this. Mm. I have to back myself. I have yeah. to trust myself with this. Mm-hmm. Because as you were saying with acting out of fear and having probably just generations of women that have made the decision mm-hmm. to give up their careers mm. to a certain extent, whether it's for one year, whether it's for 10 years, whether, you know, you ever end up being able to go back to the workforce. Mm-hmm. And for some people, you know, that's their calling and they're like, I actually really love and thrive and being around my kids mm-hmm. is what I want and what I've realised my priority is. But for, for some women, they're at odds with that. Mm-hmm. Like I've had friends that have really felt really at odds with that situation that, that haven't really had the choice. I think as well people can say, well, you know, you can have a have a child and you can go back into the workforce. But yeah. in our industry especially. It's hard. It's ne- like if I was to have a child now, my options would be I would have to quit. I would have to give up so many opportunities and there's so much pressure in media and I'm sure in a lot of like freelancing and anything that isn't a stable nine to five job of any kind, even like makeup artists listening or if you're, I know you you own your own business, you have to pause for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And the fear is then that you would never have those chances again. If I had a child now, I, you know, wouldn't be able to do Mars Singer next year, which people will go, well, who cares? But the momentum of your career stops then. There was this graph I remember seeing, which was like the trajectory of women versus men. Mm. And this was part of what I remember thinking about when I went in to freeze my eggs because I was like, I just need to fucking level that play mm-hmm. playing field. <laughs> yes, um, one oh, little just, fuck you to patriarchy. I can get that on one out of me. One. Come on. But I just remember seeing like this graph of like men's careers and it was this straight line up, mm. straight line up, you know, when, you know, you finish college, you get your job, you keep going up, you become the CEO of the company, you become a dad, but you keep going up. Mm-hmm. And women is like this, boom, and then you have a child and it mm. plateaus mm-hmm. and then you go back to work and then you 
can try and start to go up again, but mm-hmm. then you plateau again. Mm-hmm. And women's tr- career trajectories are like a series of slight ups and then plateaus, slight mm-hmm. ups and then plat, and then they just end up plateauing. Yeah, because you can't because so many women would have to like take time off work or go back to their positions, but in such limited capacities. And then if they're people who were choosing the wrong partners because they felt pressure because of their quote unquote body clock, then they are with partners who see their child as something to quote unquote babysit or to help with rather than their own kid. So they are also the ones that are then having the biggest plateau. Exactly. And, you know, we're talking about all of the domestic labour that goes mm-hmm. into the household that most women are doing. and mm-hmm. yeah, You miss you know. out on super as well. You miss out on super, super the yeah. cost of daycare. Like, you know, give me a chance to earn my billions. <laughs> yeah, come on. I saw this TikTok of that dickhead Dave Ramsey. Who is that? Oh, yeah, he's this man on TikTok. I do like hate watching him. I um, do love him. He's, um, he's like a financial advice man. Yeah. Um, and people call up and they say, like, I have $100,000 of debt. I have a kid and I earn this much a year, 50 grand a year or something. And he goes, work more and spend less. And it's like, no shit, Dave Ramsey, you fucking – anyway. So someone yep. someone called up and said, I have all these student loans and my, my wife – is on $85,000 a year. I'm on $150,000 a year, but she's a medical resident in a residency for, mm. to become a doctor and um, I'm an accountant or something. But our childcare is $85,000 a year. No, or... $100,000 a year more than her income. Yeah. And all the comments were like, well, why doesn't she just quit a job and take care of the kids? She's a doctor. <sighs> she's going to become a doctor. Like it, it's, it, it's everyone's... Um, go to is, well, why doesn't the woman just quit the job? Well, yeah. why do, why can't the man just quit his job and, when yeah. she becomes a doctor and earns two, $300,000 a year? But it's the automatic go-to is for us to sacrifice our lives. So we have to ensure we're choosing the right person to do it with if it's with anyone at all. That's the other thing that I – another reason why I want to freeze my eggs yeah. is so that I can do it without anyone yeah. at the right time. At the right time for you mm. because, you know, we've come so far in terms of – gender equality in a way, Mm -hmm. but there is such, I think, there is such an assumed gender role Mm -hmm. that happens still within parenting Mm -hmm. that is so confronting to see. Like I see it in, you know, like families, in people that go to work with working dads Mm -hmm. versus working Mm mums. Dad goes away for the weekend, that's fine. Mums goes away for the weekend, she's a bad mum. All of Mm -hmm. those things. She's so lucky to have a husband to take care of the kids. Totally. Look at him getting up and helping with the dishes. Oh, he's so good. He really should be. Have you you and your partner spoken about division of labour if you were to have children? Oh, I try and I, I drum it in as hard as I can yeah, where yeah. I'm like, you Proactive. are doing it. You are, you're taking years off, Everything, yeah. yeah. See, I would be, you know what I'd be fearful of? I think I won't be happy either way because if I was with someone, <laughs> obviously, I mean, more than likely I will earn more than them. So you don't know. Who knows? Um, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, fingers crossed I don't. Um, but... <laughs> So I would be like, no, I'm working and also I yeah. love my job and I yep. would never, like I'm, I'm in my head, I'm like retirement is, is just filling two shows a year. That's yep. my retirement. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I still need to be doing things as I'm sure you, you're the same. Yeah. But then I think I'd end up, I think I'd end up presenting them. I'd be like, this is the hard thing, figuring out the balance of between 
fuck you. I gave birth to this child and I am now supporting us financially and I get the fun things at home. But also I would be equally resentful if those roles were switched. And also, like, how do we do a half-half situation? Like, how do we how do I we don't find know. it? It's impossible. I find that really hard as well because mm. I know there's there's such a staunch uh, feminist in me, me that, that that gets this kind of, this resentment that mm. <laughs> Builds up. Yeah, me too. Either way. Either way. No matter what happens, yeah. I'll be angry. Yeah, I'm like, I'm cleaning up after the dishes. No, yes. you're cleaning. Either way, yes. I'm pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm angry all the time. Maybe that's for like a therapy chat. I know. Maybe we come back and talk about that. But, you know, what? I, the, but the baseline is freezing your eggs was very positive. Oh, yes. So, okay, now nitty gritty, how much did it cost you? And so you said two weeks from the quote unquote harvesting stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But from fertility, from when you like engaged with uh, like when you Monash go and do, or? yeah, yeah. So I, I went to Monash University. Mm-hmm. I saw an incredible doctor called Dr. Jenny Cook, mm-hmm. where we went in, we did our my fertility tests, and then you kind of wait until you're in the right point in your cycle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think I, I did my fertility tests, and then it was a couple weeks, like you know, it was a handful of days later that I got the results back, mm-hmm. and she was like, okay this is all looking good. Mm -hmm. We've done these baseline tests. When you start your next, you know, round of cycle, then you can start taking this amount of hormones. And then at the end of that two weeks, and basically during that two weeks where you're doing the injections. And the injections? Very simple. Okay. They're like for me, they were very, very simple. Mm -hmm. Tiny little thing. You know, it almost, I found... A, quite a soothing part of the process because it gives you something tangible to do where you're like, I'm taking control of yeah. my fertility. Now yes. I'm doing this thing. It's painless. Mm-hmm. It was really easy. I was really fearful. I'm putting these hormones in my body. I'm going to have to take two weeks off work because I'm going to be really emotional. That's what I, I am I gonna of. Am I going to be just crying all the mm-hmm. time? Am I going to be really moody? Like I said, most women just go through it smooth sailing. For me, I was one of those women. I actually hey. felt quite buoyed during the whole process because okay. I was like, yes, I'm taking control. I feel yeah. great. You know when you're on a bit of a like estrogen high and you're like fucking slay? <laughs> okay, when you're, you're ovulating, like yeah. holy fuck. So that's, that's kind of what you that's kind of what you're doing. So you're like Lim, I agree. So you're doing that on like whoo. You're like <laughs> you're doing that in a really special I'll be way. I'll gym for seven hours a day. I'll you be kind like, of could be. Yeah. Oh my god, Oscar. Okay, so so my <laughs> friends and I have recently noticed. I know if it's the same for you, Lemon Linda, but as I've gotten older, particularly in the past two or three years, all of my girlfriends and I have noticed. Mm our ovulation has become more pronounced. Like mm. I, my the parts of my cycle are so much more obvious. Okay, so Oscar, here's what happens. Once a month we bleed. No, I'm kidding. So once a month, period, right? So like five days of period. Then about halfway through our cycle we ovulate and during that time, joyous, energy, happy, Fucking like goddess horny, material. horny, 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 fuck me, come in me. Yeah. Very wet. Very right. wet, so wet, <laughs> viscous, dripping, viscous. Yes, and Snotty. then slippery. Yes. And then yeah. after you ovulate, then you kind of like go downhill again until you feel like shit the week before your period, and then you're your period's it. awful. Yeah, you're dry. Yeah, yeah. Dry, 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 dry. And then, <laughs> then after your period, you kind of are going upwards towards ovulation again. So mm. it's kind of like mm. it's like you know like waves up and down. Mm. Um, and even when I'm my my PT would be like, "Are you ovulating?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like. You are, you have wow. so, you're so much stronger. 
And it's even a thing because men have that cycle throughout the day with their testosterone, but women also we're talking about obviously AFAB and AMAB people, side note everyone, they have the same cycle men have during the day or something, but throughout the month I've heard this. Really? Which is why like like the, the working calendar is like that because it's catered to men, but women, if it was catered to women, we would have like a an easier, you know, we would figure it out a way to work less when we're having our period. Sexist calendars. I know that's what I've heard. That could be a lie. It also could be something like a like a weird. I'll take myth. it. Yeah, I'll, I'll you know, add it I to my resentment. Right. I think it's right. <laughs> it's fine. Another thing we agree Another about thing. for us. Another thing, but, men. But but so it's so it's like peak ovulation. Yeah, it's not so, scary. No, it's like I I remember specifically walking through like a Westfield Mall when wow. I I'd done my my hormone like little injections and I was like. Yes, I am feeling great. And wow. then at the end of that two weeks, so I think it's almost every second or every third day you're mm-hmm. going back into the IVF clinics mm-hmm. and they're doing an ultrasound and checking where your eggs are at. So basically you're stimulating, instead of you ovulating and pooping out one egg mm. during that ovulation <laughs> cycle, <laughs> the hormones are creating as many stimulated follicles in your ovaries as possible. So instead of you getting one egg, you can get anywhere between one or 10 or five or 15 Mm -hmm. or 20. And at the end of the two-week process, when the doctors have been checking and they can see, oh my God, your follicles look like they're stimulated Mm -hmm. to a really nice, like it looks like your eggs are mature, Mm -hmm. like to the point where you'd be ovulating. Mm -hmm. Now let's harvest Okay. So you then go into the hospital, yep. you're under a general anaesthetic mm-hmm. and the procedure takes five minutes. Oh, That's okay. what the doctors to- like to- doctor told me. The procedure takes five minutes, but, you know, you're out of it for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. You wake up and you take it easy that day. And for some women you can feel like a little bit of tenderness mm-hmm. for the next couple of days, but most women don't. For me, I didn't feel anything. Okay. I felt really good. And how many is the ideal amount to harvest and how many did you, were you okay with? It was, it depends on, it depends on your body. It depends on your age. It depends on all of that. So if you're, I think that the numbers roughly are, if you're between the ages of like 30, 35, a a good amount of mature eggs is between like five to 10. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you're younger than that, you can often get a lot more. Right. And did you do one round, then you said? I actually did two rounds. Okay. So if you're in your, so it's kind of like each egg that you get mm-hmm. and the scientists like analyze them and they go, okay, Abby, we've got 20, we've taken 20 eggs out mm-hmm. of you, but now we're actually looking at them. 12 of them are mature. Those are the mm-hmm. ones we're going to freeze. The other ones are fucking omelette over yeah. here. So, <laughs> so they put the, they, they put those ones away, but with those eggs, you actually won't know if they're the ones that are going to be fertilised until you would come back to use them. To use them, okay. So with those, then that's then that's kind of like a whole other story, yes. which is where if you were coming back to do IVF, then you'd come back and depending on the – that's when you really sort of assess the quality of those eggs. Mm-hmm. So for some women, you'd – use those and I th- I think the general statistics are that for women in say your 20s or early 30s mm-hmm. in general 
you have a 50% chance of like success rate with those mm. eggs. So mm -hmm. if you came back, let's say, then potentially you'd do two rounds of IVF mm -hmm. and within that two rounds, the second one, you'd potentially fall pregnant. But the kind of older that you get, then it's a little bit harder for the egg quality to be as high okay. as it was in your 20s. So that's why the advice to some women is if you want to come back, then the more eggs, the merrier. Right, okay. Because then by the time you're kind of 35 or late 30s, it's sort of a one in three. It's like a 30% okay, chance right. that the egg will work. So that's why some women do one round of egg freezing and then some women do two or three. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was stuck in Australia for a much longer time than I thought and I went, well. Might as well, babe, nothing else to do. And, and, you know, the Medicare system in Australia is fucking amazing, yes. you know, amazing compared You're to like, some other countries. I want so, to have the ovulation energy again. I want to walk through Westfield. Yeah. Crap, I was like, seriously, I was walking through <laughs> and I was like, I'm feeling good. I'm going to do it again. So how much did it end up costing you in total? So with um, Australia, and I know, I feel like these rates are sort of changing, but when I did mm. it in 2020 and then I did it again in 2021. Yeah. The entire kind of medical cost through Medicare was sitting at around 10 grand. Mm -hmm. And then if you're able to get the Medicare rebate, which heaps of women are mm -hmm. entitled to. So if you essentially, you know, give your reasoning behind why you can't fall pregnant now. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, I'm physically in Australia and my partner's overseas. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's, I've got, you know, uh, like physical problems like that I can't, endometriosis, like a lot of women, and you can generally claim it back. So you get about half of it back. So okay. I think the the cost for me at the end of the cycle was sitting at around five grand. Okay. So and in then, Australia, it's, you know, you save up and it's a lot more affordable than it is in other countries. Yes. And then do you pay for a storage fee, like a little like You'd storage actually warehouse? Pay rent. Yeah, you, you pay, pay rent. rent okay. And eggs. is the rent much, or is it less you know, than the studio going up. in Sydney? Landlords yeah. are real no, jerks. You know, <laughs> there's mold everywhere. It's, it's awful. Yeah, everything just paints <laughs> over in white. It's disgusting. You know, you you do pay. I can't. I think it's about a couple hundred bucks every six months or something. Okay, like, so I get a little. I get a little bill. Okay, okay, okay. It's like it's like a strata fee. Yeah, it basically, we is. love. Okay, amazing. And I'm like, God, I bet it remember to pay these rents in case they yeah. like just yeah, what do they out. do? They, they defrost photo, them. They're a like a photo of the near, near a fire, and they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna defrost Seriously. them. Seriously, like, we're gonna do it." I'm like, Shit. Or I'm like, what happens? What if they get mixed up and I'm like, <laughs> sing someone else's eggs at the end of it? I'm dying. Like, surely oh that's. Happened. Can you imagine? I know. Look, I'm uh, the reason I haven't gone back to use them. Then is I'm honestly just waiting for the technology to come out so my boyfriend can carry the baby. <gasps> I know that's like, so much more convenient. When is that going to happen? When the fuck is it going to happen? When is that going to happen? My God. Okay, I. We have chat done, bitches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've got a uh, new book, Love Language. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. I tried to write a book. <laughs> I was going to say I tried to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, can't God. be fucked. <laughs> no, I'm actually, to be fair, I've, babe, I've the reading of the book lately, it's been very stressful for me. But I've tried to write a book, couldn't do it, went to two quote-unquote weekends away to do Brandon's retreat and I went very hard. busy, sorry, don't want to do it mentally and physically, not okay with this. I actually got a text today from my publisher saying, hey, um, any, <laughs> I, hate I, don't, I gave my events back nah. though and, I, and she's like, hey, any ideas for a book? And I went, come on, babes, not right now. <laughs> All right, congratulations, huge, <laughs> huge, huge. Thank you. 
So it's about your love language basically being morphed into being a people pleaser, right? Essentially, Great. Yeah. Tell us about that, babe. <laughs> I want to hear about it because well, I'm the opposite. The um, Well, now I've kind of learned how to sort of be the opposite, but it kind of runs through my my family upbringing. So, mm. it's, so it's memoir but kind of written like fiction, mm. um, saucy fiction. Mm, saucy. Saucy oh, fiction. Uh, so it goes through kind of like my family upbringing, so it's a lot of the way that I felt about, you know, duty and loyalty and people pleasing within my family. Mm -hmm. So dad's Italian side, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of food references. There's a lot of big feasting Mm -hmm. moments in the book. And then there's mum's Chinese side, which Mm -hmm. was like very disciplined. And it Mm -hmm. kind of sets up how when I grew up, I was very much of this mindset that I needed to be a really good girl. Mm -hmm. And that morphed into being essentially a real people pleaser mm-hmm. that compromised who I was and being honest in a lot of situations. And that translated into not just the way I felt at school, but through my career mm. and being a presenter when you mm. have to be really on all the time, you have to be really yes mm-hmm. as, a, as a woman, especially like mm-hmm. you're very much a yes, good girl. Yes. Mm-hmm. You want me to jump? How fucking high? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll do that extra broadcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll do the book. Yes. I'll do this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my love life as mm-hmm. well, kind of shrinking and making decisions based on what I thought that people wanted to hear and wanted me to do. Like everything, like. Like things like we want to eat for for dinner? Little little things, little things like what do you want to eat for dinner? Bigger things like feeling really unwell, whether it was mentally or physically, but still forcing myself to go to work for way Mm -hmm. too long through quite heavy periods. Mm -hmm being in relationships for years, mm-hmm. being uh, in relationships that were really compromised who I was or mm-hmm. if I was treated in a way that didn't feel right, that I would still jump to meet the person where they were. And people please out. This, this guy was, yeah, no, yes. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, maybe I should read the book. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting when you think about the why we behave the way we mm, behave mm. and some of it is, oh, yeah, I want to do these things and then a lot of it is, well, I have to do that because if I don't do that, I'm letting down that person and if I don't say yes to this then I'm letting down that boyfriend or I'm letting mm. down that friend and I'm not going to look like the cool girl anymore if I'm the girl that's saying no. Like it's just yeah. certain stuff that I eventually had to confront Well, it's hard to differentiate as well in those moments what you actually want to do and what you feel you should do because... Should. Should is a very dangerous word. Because also, I mean, it's very difficult to know, like, am I saying yes to this job because it's what everyone else thinks is a really fun job and no one else has this opportunity or whatever? Mm. Or is it because I actually enjoy being here day to day? And sometimes it's a bit of both. A lot of the time it's a bit of both. So how then do you differentiate? How then did you learn to differentiate between what is going to serve you and what isn't? Because sometimes it's serving you financially as well. And you go, well, I don't actually get joy from this, but like enjoy eating. So (laughs) enjoy being able to pay rent, pay my little egg rent, you know. You know, it's (laughs) crazy. There's a rental freeze. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was actually really Didn't even mean to do it. I feel like you you kind of, like you walked yourself into it (laughs) because you slowed down your delivery freeze. freeze. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened. Um, I think 
I think that for me, it's been a lesson in becoming conscious of it Mm -hmm. because before I would say just yes, yes, to everything, yes, yes, Mm -hmm. to everything. And I specifically remember this moment and you've probably had them as well, where Mm -hmm. I remember being in between like a radio, I'd done like a radio show, then I'd done a podcast recording, then I was going to do a TV thing and I... Same day? Yeah, yeah, same day. You know what it's like. And I locked myself into this studio that was in like a side studio in the Triple J offices and I just closed the door and sobbed on the ground for just out. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I I haven't given myself time to do a shit. Mm -hmm. I haven't weed. I haven't eaten anything. I don't even think I've drunk water. Like what am I, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for me, it was this feeling that I was going to be letting people down, Mm -hmm. that I'd be disappointing my boss if I didn't go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to keep up this perfect track record, which I've realised is something that I'd had ingrained in me from being a kid where Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be the best student ever. Mm-hmm. I want to be really good. I want to be the best dancer in dance class. Mm-hmm. And what I've had to learn is that when I make those decisions, it's actually really hard to tap into what it is that I want mm. and think less about the consequences to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's still a really complex thing. And, and we're allowed to live in that gray area too, because sometimes mm-hmm. I'll still say yes to something because I'm like, well, I want to do that because it's going to make Abby really happy mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Because um, you can't then live entirely selfishly. Then there's no, the balance, I don't want right? to be an arsehole. No. And, and, I, and it also does make me happy mm. being an accommodating, uh, easygoing mm-hmm. person in a sense. And I do like serving the people in my life. Mm-hmm. I like serving my family. I like turning up and showing mm-hmm. up for things. And I also really like my job. I like mm-hmm. coming and being a presenter. But... I think I'm, I've learned where the line is mm. and it's where I, f- when I feel like I'm run off my feet too much, mm. when I'm compromising who I am, when it starts to feel like p- my performance is a real performance. And because the fear in 2020 as well was, was our really entire fun. economy like, is going to collapse. As we know it, media is gone. Everything is uncertain. Everything, yes. Stay relevant, stay relevant, yes. do all the things. Mm-hmm. For me, it was that point where that's when I started seeing a psychologist and Mm. she was like, what are you going to do to start taking stuff off your plate and think about what's actually going to make you happy? And it was then that I started to slightly push back in a real way. And that was Mm. when I started going, I'm going to go and look into my fertility. I'm going to freeze my eggs. I'm going to make sure I take time out for myself each and every day. Mm. And I'm also going to, you know, I talk about this in the book, like actually push back with certain people. And, you know, one of those people being like my mum as well, because there was a lot of like tension that was there where, which kind of stemmed a lot of where my kind of people like deep down wanting to please, not wanting to Mm -hmm. disappoint came from. Mm. How did you confront your mum? It was... I mean, it's it's still a work in progress. Yes, as all mother, um, as all as all complex are. mom yes. daughter relationships is. But with that, it was like having I detail this in the book. We have a we had a really really tense conversation, and that's like the way that the book starts. Mm. And then I kind of come back to it towards the end of the book, where I send her a voice note, mm. and kind of say things that I find. I found really hard to say in real time. Mm. 
that I think she finally listened to. Mm. And then we had actually like a death in the family, which kind of clicked a level of compassion as opposed to my mum being a disciplinary figure. Mm. And I think it really not mended our relationship, but it gave us it gave us something very real to hold on to that I mm. ended up writing about in the book. And I don't know, I think I think for me I'd snapped into a level of um, of myself because I was also writing the book at the time and I knew that I kind of wanted to tackle that sort of stuff and it was making me really self-aware in terms of how I was treating myself, how I was talking to other people, mm-hmm. that it made me speak to her and to the other people in my life that I felt sort of the same way about, mm. speak to them with a level of acceptance and a bit more assertiveness mm. than I had before. Because also that helps because it, it can feel as though if you are being assertive with someone or stating your boundaries that you are being completely selfish in that moment it's or really it's hard. hard. But you're also trying to foster and protect that relationship with that person. I've really struggled in romantic relationships to vocalise yeah. any issues. Like, like, like I... Like my therapist has me practice saying I am uncomfortable with what just, I sit there and I it, I have to it's like I physically can't speak. Do you are you good at confrontations outside of romantic relationships? Uh, yeah, I go in meetings. That's a fucking ridiculous idea. No, that thank is you. true. I can attest yeah. to that. I go. I go. Lem no. Yeah. I go. No. Nah, and I explain why. Like I'm not rude, but I go. No, that doesn't work because of this. Is this? Like, yeah. Now I know. According to the how her no comes out, like there's a no. It's like no. And it's like, yeah. never bring this up fucking again, Lem. Yeah. But there's like a no that's murdered. like, there's it's like, like a little bit some, of leeway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but usually because I know what I want and, and uh-huh. I'm able to explain it in, in every other relationship. Yeah. In in romantic though, I had this thing recently where basically I felt like the way someone had spoken about someone they used to date was a bit too much detail for me and it made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And usually I would never say anything. I would just cop it. And I said it in the moment and his response wasn't really ideal. Um, and then I put her in therapy and she made me like practice saying I was uncomfortable. And I FaceTimed him and I sat in the car and FaceTime and it took like nine minutes of me tearing up and, and doing the mouth movements and going, because because I had this ex who every time I bring up anything mm. small, he dumped me mm. and then come back a week later so that he wouldn't have to deal with the confrontation of it. So I'm like scared of bringing up anything as well as all my other things from childhood and everything, but this like solidified in romantic relationships, I'm not allowed to say anything is slightly wrong. And then when I finally got it out, he was like, no, of course that would upset you. And of course I I, I did it because of this, 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 and I didn't mm-hmm. understand that that would upset you that much. I thought you were fine with it because you're usually open and, you know, it was like it made sense. But it took like 25 minutes of a conversation and all I, and all I said was I'm uncomfortable because I think that that was and, – and then even Susan was like I think that maybe that was just yeah, a little bit yeah. hurtful and I think that maybe I'm overreacting and I, you know, yeah. so many qualifiers. I think that one of the biggest assets as an adult is learning how to have hard conversations. Yes. I don't even know what my needs are because I've spent so much it's time. It's so hard. I've even had to have time with my we other therapist. We suck. My other therapist where I had to practice being angry, which everyone would think is, I mean, again, at work, I'm like, oh, whatever. But like 
accept that I have anger as an emotion in a relationship because I've spent so long suppressing it Mm -hmm. and I've had to really, it's been, I mean, this is a very fresh thing with this person. I wouldn't even call it a relationship, but it's interesting him kind of, yeah, being aware of things that I'm not and genuinely asking me questions that I, even things like I mentioned a few, a few weeks ago that I never get to go out and feel pretty because I, all I do is work. Mm. And even though I'm in hair and makeup all the time, it's not the same. Like mm. it, you want to feel like you made yourself feel nice and have an hour and a half of almost like meditation time in the shower doing your own yeah. hair. And we, I went to see him where he lives and he was like, what do you want to do that night? And I was like, we can do whatever. Like we can just stay, stay in. And he was like, but you want to go out? And I was like, I don't care what we do. I know that you are tired. I don't care what we do. And he was like, nah, I think we should have like a nice dinner because I know that you want to feel pretty. And yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. But I could have just said I want to go to <laughs> oh dinner, God. couldn't I? And I apologised to him. I was like, you know, you've met me at a really bad time. You've met me at my worst mental health stage and I'm sorry that I cry all the time and I'm sorry that I'm really not fun. I don't feel like I'm very fun for you and I don't get it. And he was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you're so much fun. Like, he's like, I, like, you cry. Yeah, you cry every time you see me. Yeah, but, but it's because you're not p- performing. Yeah, and he you're said, but I, you see me once a fortnight and, like, it's not that often and yeah. you cry about things that are fair to cry about. You're crying about, like, your dad leaving when you were born. You're not crying yeah. about, you know, a girl liking my photo or some shit. Like, he's like, there, there's a yeah. difference between being, I think it's hard to separate what you think is, like, I'm a bad, awful, purely awful person for having any needs. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah, and also because you don't, especially when you're in that long distance thing, and you and like you were saying, you only get to see each other once every. You mm. you're like, oh well, this is this is the time for me to be really on. We the can't best. have a bad date. I can't be vulnerable in this way. Yeah, if I'm vulnerable, it has to be just in a really. We're going to cherish this moment. We're going to look into each other's eyes. Yes. I don't want him to see any you know, bad thing or no. thing that's like a bit weak about me because uh-huh. he's, he's going to put me in this too hard basket. Yes, or and I complain like, all the time. I'm like, I just don't want to be that person. But he was like, well, you need to be real. Yeah. You need to be real. Well, my therapist said, I, I was telling her about how I was feeling about things at work and I said, you know, I, I just don't think that this person that I'm seeing like understands. And she said, well, have you told him <laughs> at all? And I was like, Oh, like I told him that I was a bit upset the other day. She's like, but have you told him like that you're like scream flying, crying on the floor of the shower? And I was like, <laughs> no, because then he'd think that I was upset. Yeah. She's like, but this is the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still saying that he doesn't care. He doesn't care but you're saying that he can't handle your emotions, but you aren't giving him the chance to handle your emotions. Yeah. Instead, you're just doing it yourself and doing what you're doing with everyone else and it isn't about him. She's like, you're allowed to be upset about things and tell your partner because my ex would also just say to me, like, you make everything about you and everything's about how hard your life is and everything is about, you know, how difficult. What a fucking dicks. But also happy <laughs> things, even happy things. I don't tell this person happy things really either. Really? So I think that he's going to think that everything's about me. So it's another oh. thing. My ex used to say everything, every day I be there's something you have to tell me. Like, yeah, because yesterday I interviewed Billie Eilish and then today, you know, I'm going to share, you know what I mean? Nice things, right? But he would always, that was his one criticism was like, you always, everything is, I call, you know, I call you and I ask you how your day is and there's always some big story. Same with this new person, I don't tell him anything. Yeah. And then I said, I feel like he doesn't get as excited about things as I do. And then she said, I think because the way you're telling him, I, I read out texts. And to the way I was telling, I was like, yeah, haha, lol, this is so silly, but I just had my Logie stress fitting. And yeah. she's like, because you're playing it down because you're too scared he's going to say you're being too much. 
Isn't it crazy how we ping pong, uh, like our relationships are just reactions to the ones that we've had before? I know. Mm, totally. This Until poor, you ping pong person. to the right, whatever it is, bowl of porridge that's the right temperature. I know. In the fairy tale thing. How did you know you found your bowl of porridge? Were, yeah. you, were you still a little bit cooked when you found the bowl of porridge? I was. No, nah, I was a bit cooked. Yeah, a little bit, was, but not fully. I was a bit cooked. I was. Yeah. I was still doing the crying in between. Stuff and, and, not he, telling. And, and not telling him. And then I remember him prodding and being like, you're at that bench outside work, aren't you? And I was oh, like, the bench. the bench. I was like, yeah, I'm at the bench. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the one that doesn't face the doors so that when you're crying, oh. people can't see. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you're at the crying bench, yeah, aren't you? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm at the crying bench. Yeah, yeah. I'm at the crying bench again. So do you feel like it helped? Because I, I also don't <laughs> want someone to then feel like they have to fix me, you know? No, because it goes both ways. You mm. kind of fix each other. And, and you know, when you let them in and you give them that real that real side of, like, these are the things I'm struggling with, at the same time there was also so much light and so much, mm. like, passion and buoyancy and proactiveness of, you know, we were long distance. So I was like, let's make plans. We'll come and I'll come to see you. Then you'll mm. come and see me. So there was, yeah. there was so much of we're making each other's lives better each day, even though life is life and life is sometimes hard and sometimes we have shitty days at work mm-hmm. and we want to complain a little bit. But I almost found like as soon as I kind of got it out there and I'd be like, yeah, I'm with a crying bitch. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go have a really good ramen tonight. You know, yes. you just like you get it out of your system. You speak to someone real like a girlfriend or your boyfriend mm-hmm. or whatever. And and at the end of the day, you're like, God, I'm fucking really grateful for you, hey. Mm. And I'm pretty cool too. At the end yes, of the day, and you know, also, you're like, yeah, it's 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 a there's harmony in there. That was beautiful. Get the book Love Language. I'm gonna I'm going to Thailand oh. in a few weeks for a retreat <gasps> where I'm not going to talk by myself. It's like it's like 8 a.m. acupuncture, 10 a.m. yoga, 11 a.m. Pilates. Thailand it's like, is so I'm going for five days and no one's going to come with me or go near me. So I'll read the book then. And then I'll text you my review. I'll be like, couldn't read it. Couldn't get through it. Couldn't read it. <laughs> Even isolated. No, Even I'm sure I, it's amazing. I'm, I've learned so much from you with this chat. You are such an amazing angel gem. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Linda. Um, pluggables, what do you want to plug? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the book's Obby. out. If you want to read it, it's called Love Language. There's also a new season of the Tough Love podcast, mm-hmm. which is oh, cool. coming out as well June twenty. And that's very sexy. Oh my god! Happy fucking oh birthday god, to me, to Thank you. Her. Yeah, we're touching more I'll on fertility. To on the flight to Thailand, then I'll read your book in Thailand. I'll just be the Linda holiday. Obsessed, I'm on fan. That's great. We're very excited. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. All right, everyone. So right now we actually have a chance for you to get a hundred dollars. Wow. What can I do? You're asking. Well. All we want is for you to fill out a survey online. There's going to be a link on the Instagram in my bio, et cetera, et cetera, and also in the show notes of the shows. Fill it out. Tell us if you like the podcast. I'm presuming you do if you're here. If not, I mean, give us the hard feedback. I won't be reading it. Don't worry. Producer Lem will be. <laughs> um, so if you want to give us some feedback, tell us what your favourite episodes are, et cetera, et cetera, you could win some cash. So Go into the survey and help us out to make the podcast a better place for all. Love you. Listener.